You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this episode, Future Net Zero founder Summit Bose speaks with Alex Goody, CEO of GemSurf, as they discuss why the professional services firm has become a Future Net Zero partner and what its CEO thinks of the 2050 net zero target. Alex, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, hi, Subit. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, first of all, thanks for joining Future Net Zero as an official partner. Can you tell me why you made that decision? Well, we, we looked at um, what you and Future Net Zero are, um, are promoting, and we thought it was a great alignment. I mean, right away from the talent we want to hire in the future through to uh, opportunities out there to influence in government and uh, the energy industry and beyond that into manufacturers. And we felt there's an amazing fit there. So that's why we decided to join Future Net well, Zero. I'm very glad you have. I mean, our, our aim is very simple. It's about, in, in one phrase, better business leads to a better planet. And, and I want to just, in this chat, have a little recap on kind of Net Zero, your thoughts around it when it was sort of set last year as a government target. Um, obviously, effects of COVID on, on whether that puts us back or puts us forward. And at the time of recording this, we don't know what's coming up in the budget next week. So there could be a big stimulus in, in this part anyway. But also a little to give an insight to the viewers about what GemServe does. So uh, let's okay. just start with what GemServe is doing, and what area it operates in, so people get an idea of your main core functions. Okay, so uh, GemServe is a, a professional services firm operating where data and technology comes together. Our core sectors are uh, energy, health and public sector. And we also have a, a pretty, pretty large cyber and digital practice uh, within the organization. What we're about is making a difference um, in today's social and environmental challenges. And we operate a number of schemes. We provide a lot of, uh, we do a lot of work in that space to make that a reality. So um, we, we're better known in the retail energy space where we look after a number of systems and processes. We're heavily involved in smart metering, uh, which will enable um, a low carbon future for the energy system. Um, we run a scheme for government around biomass, um, looking at standards around how, well, the biomass that's burnt to create um, heat. So a whole range of different things that we're doing that are linked to net zero, but also uh, in health, we're looking at uh, digital pathways to improve patient outcomes. And there, uh, there is an interesting link actually back to net zero from, from the work that we do there as well. So very, quite broad, uh, but focused around those particular sectors. Uh, for those who don't know your history, you were formed actually by, by the energy companies. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, the GemServe was created in 2002. Originally, the organization was set up to look after the switching arrangements in the electricity industry. We still do that today, um, but that was 100% of our business back then, and it's a much, much smaller part of what we do now. Uh, today's business is uh, far-reaching in the energy industry, and we've grown through organic growth and acquisitions to offer a diversified offering to a range of um, uh, markets and uh, government um, players. If you look at, um, you know, well, the net zero wording, um, I will talk about the, the, the legislation interaction, but do you agree with this sentence? Net zero is energy. It's all about energy. 
No, it's, I mean, uh, energy is in energy supplied or is in... Uh... Yeah, it's, it, if you fundamentally get down to net zero, it's about energy. It's about the energy we generate. It's the energy we conserve. It's basically because we've built a society over the last 150 years on energy and, and the burning of fossil fuels. So if you address the energy part, you can then address the other parts that come off that in terms of manufacturing, kinds of general yeah. environmentalism. What's, what's your view on that? I, I or is that know, too simplistic? I don't know if I do. I think, I think the trouble with that is it narrows you down to just looking at that particular sector. I, I kind of get the gist of it. I mean, energy is used in everything that we do. But Absolutely. I think you know, if you're looking at transport, I think if you miss the point about what you're trying to do is get someone from A to B, it, then, then I think you missed the whole thing there. I mean, it, it, for instance, in electric vehicles, what you, what you need to do with electric vehicles is make it, the journey for the customer as simple as possible, remove the barriers, put the incentives in place, and it will, it will happen, it will roll out. And in the process, you will lower carbon. But I think if you just start from the energy, I think you're missing the point with something like um, EVs, which is a transport challenge. Yeah. The... Last act of Theresa May's government, June, it's just, just passed actually, June the 12th last year, was to enact uh, in law the 2050 target. What was your reaction to that? I have to say I was quite surprised. Um, it was, um, and presently surprised as well. I think, you know, I, I don't think it's worth, um, I'm sure the audience will know, but, you know, the Climate Change Act of uh, 2008 Eight. or nine. 2008, yeah. I set out a, an ambitious um, process, which is still being um, um, reported on by the Committee on Climate Change, uh, who just came out um, this week, actually, on the, with the latest report. And what, you, what we've achieved through, through, that, through that act is a huge reduction in carbon in, um, in the energy industry, electricity particularly, and um, that sort of set set us up to to actually make um, get to a point where net zero is even a possibility. I think setting out in law is very useful because I think you know if we if we come back to COVID for a second, you know we're going to we know quite rightly we're focusing on. Uh, um, sorting out issues around COVID at the moment, getting the economy restarted. Businesses are not going to do this voluntarily in terms of lower carbon. It's not going to be top priority. It needs to be driven by government. And having net zero there means that we can look at, or the government can look at legislation it's putting in place and projects it's creating to ensure that they are aligned with net zero obligations. So yes, uh, pleasantly surprised at the time. I think it's really important that it's there. Is it realistic? I mean, you think about it, right? I mean, our original targets, Kyoto Protocol, we're looking at the world from 1990 to, so that's, you know, that's 30 years now. That's not long. I mean, maybe it's because I'm old, but 1990 seems not long ago in my memory. Yeah. And to get to net zero for this nation in that time frame seems very challenging. What, what's your take on the real, realistic level of this target? Uh, it is exceptionally challenging. I think what COVID shown us, though, is that, you know, in the face of adversity, um, it's the mother of all invention, isn't it? I mean, we, we, you can, we can do things really quickly. I, think I was listening to uh, Gab's interview with you when he talked about uh, moving the whole of British gas business um, to working from home within a week. Um, you know, when it would be previously Never thought it was possible, six, yeah. six months to do yeah. that and recognising <laughs> efficiency gains and all that. Uh, in the process so I think uh, if you don't set the target then what are you aiming at if we don't do it then we're looking at um, a fundamentally different world to what it is now and yes we'll have to adapt but it's so much worse for low-lying countries in the world who is typically poorer so I'm thinking Bangladesh here who will be flooded 
um, and will not be able to deal with that in the way that uh, we would be able to in, in the UK. So it's, it's something we have to do. And if we get it right, the, the, um, the cost is, 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 is a huge amount of money. But in terms of percentage of GDP, it's, it's, it's one or two percent, is my understanding. That's right, yeah. I mean, the, the, the question that I suppose um, comes to mind is that if you look at the net zero, um, many would say setting a target focuses a business because we've had sustainability for many years. And it's been either CSR, you know, corporate social responsibility, or it's gone under as kind of a nice to do. Do you think by setting a target, the government saying you've got to do this, businesses now see this as pretty much a fundamental part of your business, the same as your P&L, the same as your report to shareholders, you've got to report on your progress to net zero? I think I think for some organisations they will do that. So um, so for in NHS, for instance, they have to produce plans to achieve this. I think assessing an overall target is a great thing in the sense of um, it allows you to take a more holistic approach. And by that, I don't mean not do anything. I mean look at it in the round what you're trying to achieve. Otherwise, you end up in sort of changing light bulbs. Um, you know, and there's a you can get you can you can achieve you can achieve a lot with low hanging fruit. But once you've done that, how do you get to the next stage of this? I think what is more important about it is it, it, it it's a it's a target for government to to drive policy. So I'd encourage people if they've got time to have a look at the um, um, Committee on Climate Change report because that sets out in a lot of detail what expecting each government department to do, and then you can see that flowing through. So, for instance, um, DCMS, it's, it's a lot around cyber security. It's a lot around 5G rollout um, because of that will allow people to work remotely um, um, it, and continue to work remotely um, and help us. You know, that's one way of lowering carbon. Yeah. And we will talk about the committee's report uh, in a second. But before that, what, is it, what have you done as an organisation yourselves, GemServe, to, to get towards a net zero pathway? So, so we wanted to um, set out our store quite early on this. So 2018, we became a carbon neutral business. So what we've done as an organization is, you know, I don't want to overstate it too much. I mean, we're, we're a 200 person um, consultancy business in the city. Um, we have most of our businesses, UK and Ireland. Um, so, you know, our carbon footprint wasn't huge, um, but nonetheless, we've taken action to reduce uh, carbon where we can and then with offsets uh, using gold standard offsets the remainder of that's become a what net zero carbon neutral business so we did that a couple of years ago um, and I think that's that's useful because it sets it sets the right message within the organization you did that before even the, the, the target was enshrined in law what why, why why did you do it so well, Gems have the contracts we've won since we've um, with the, we're moving away from the master registration agreement, or indeed building on what we were doing with around switching. There've been you know there's been two major themes in in energy from our perspective, which is how do you re regulate it in terms of new entrants coming in, switching, and so forth, systems around that, and then how do you use less of it? So Gems has been involved in. Um, low carbon energy efficiency schemes for, for some time. We've got a lot of experience in that space. And um, as a result, we, we attract um, staff who are very environmentally conscious. So this is very they, much- They forced you into it, Alex, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it does coincide with when I became CEO as well. So, you know, I, I, I came into the role with, with my own, you know, I wanted to achieve. I thought that this, it was worthwhile doing. We don't, we don't go, 
publicize it too much because you know I, i'm it's more about the work that we do rather than the carbon we save within our business but nonetheless it does set the right tone um, and just just briefly on that point um many question the value of offsetting um i mean i think it has a role to play and i've learned more about it uh, do you feel comfortable to say that because obviously as you say there are certain things you can do certain things you can't do do you think offsetting is a valuable tool because even the government says in the net zero it should be a mixture of reduction which is what they want to concentrate on but also some offsetting as well um you do you think it's valid to say if a company says look i'm, I'm offsetting that's how i'm trying to get to net zero I can't see how we could do what we've done without offsetting. I, I, I do have some some reservations. I mean, the cost of the offsets are very low. Um, I, you know, but but we, we've done our best to to ensure that those offsets are uh, well with a reputable company. Um, it's cheaper to buy the offsets in um, developing countries. So if you're going to uh, grow trees or build biomass, you can have a bigger hit and have a social impact with what you do in developed developing countries, which is what we've done. Um, and I, I, yes, we can't, I don't see how we could possibly run the business um, zero carbon at this point in time. It just with travel arrangements and all the rest of it is be too, too difficult. Although not much travel at the moment. You don't. <laughs> of, of course. Um, let's talk about the Committee on Climate Change report, which came out, as you said earlier, uh, last week. <clears throat> and one of the big things that hit me was, you know, domestically it'll really make people understand is that no more gas boilers you know by 2035 you know uh, and sway the things you talked about where do you see and gemso's role in supporting a sort of green net zero recovery so um we we, we really hope that the um uh, and we can see that already actually that some of the announcements coming out around um a, a post covid recovery the money will be spent on green projects I mean, what's going to happen for a period of time is that the interest rates are going to stay quite low, uh, oil prices are going to be quite low as well. So there's, there's a risk that we go back to old ways of um, high carbon uh, industries. But I think there's, a, there's an opportunity here to um, put the money into, into this space and drive up really great outcomes for net zero, but also things like air quality, right? So, you know, you, we, you, you live in London and work in London. I, I work in London. Air quality is not great. I mean, across the country, it results in a lot of premature deaths each year. Uh, this is something we could do here by, by lowering uh, emissions, um, improving um, from cars, but also from energy production to improve air quality. That's one of the, that's a real, that's a real big ticket item there. Um, another thing that I think Boris has announced already that we're set, uh, plant 75,000 trees each year. Again, um, will have an impact on carbon, but also on mental well-being um, by having more forests. What do, you, what do you want to do as a business yourself? What are you going to do for your clients to try and help this pathway? So yeah, we're really interested in um, solving some of the challenges in electric vehicles and in terms of the rollout, in terms of the um, issues you've got with charging point op operators um, with um, not, not connected together in terms of payment mechanisms. Um, we want to um, apply technology to improving how, how um, participants in the energy industry navigate the, the code system, the regulatory system. I think that will ease um, ability for new entrants to come in with different business models and make, uh, make them fly, which again will help in this space. Um, energy networks, big part of the, the that report need to change. Um, looking at hydrogen replacing natural gas that comes with a load of challenges that need to be sorted out this is the sort of stuff that gemserve does 
and this is the, 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 the value that we want to add. One of your clients uh, is obviously the health sector. And, you know, thank God for the health sector. We've all seen yes. how important it is over the last few months. But um, you mentioned earlier the NHS has targets. How, how can you help facilitate, you know, such a behemoth as the NHS, which has so many things? You look at just the issue around the, rub, the, the plastic gloves we're wearing now, you know, the disposable gloves, the masks. Now, that is all so much carbon there, uh, which, but is essential because you can't reuse these things. You know, when I go to have my blood taken, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to use a glass vial like we did. You, you, you're going to have plastic ones that are thrown away. So um, how can you see yourselves helping your, your health sector clients uh, on a pathway to net zero? So I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the yeah, gloves, uh, lots of waste from 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 that part of, um, of, of you know the the economy. Um, you know, health sector is makes about five percent of carbon uh, submitted each year, and uh, they have targets. They've got to put in plans um, at, at sort of trust level to reduce their their carbon impact. What I would say is, I think the opportunities here, rather than what I said earlier about you know coming at this piecemeal, we're looking at the whole thing holistically. So if you looked at uh, what a hospital can do could have a massive impact around EVs. So having, uh, you know, um, electrify the uh, the fleet that they use, having uh, charging points at hospitals, looking at um, they need a lot of heat within their buildings, looking at um, having uh, heat networks there with, within the, within that space, uh, renewable generation on site, um, CHP, a whole load of different things they could do to reduce down their carbon. There's certain things they can't get away with. It's not obvious to me how you can move away from um, gloves at this moment in time. Obviously, yeah. I mean, there are certain PPE things that will have to be disposable, but perhaps we can find ways of making them out of materials that aren't so heavily... Well, yeah, and if, but, but it, what they might be able to do is offset it on their, on their, on their site themselves by, by generating uh, and supplying heat and electricity to um, yeah, uh, other businesses nearby. You know? Hospitals tend to be in built-up areas, providing heat to um, local community and so forth. With all the things that's happened lately, you know, you and I, here we are. We should have done this in person. Would have been nice to see you, but we're doing it on Zoom. <clears throat> Everyone's heard the word Zoom now. People even didn't know. Even my mother, who's 78, knows what a Zoom call is now. So the digital uh, transformation of our lives has really picked up. Do you think... Uh, COVID will push that even further in terms of where we go to facilitate net zero. So we have to use data much more. We have to dig digitize our energy, digitize the way we transport ourselves, all these things. What's, what's your view on the sort of uh, digital transformation? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah it's, it's about, it's all about the data and technology to harness that. I think what, what COVID has done is it's um, sped up. I think we talked about this actually in an interview some time ago, but you know, one of the things that I, I sort of set out at the time was I think you could see it as a, a catalyst to drive existing um, trends that we have in society. I just see that picking up now. I, I mean, I, I was looking at LinkedIn earlier around, um, not that I'm fascinated about COVID, but it just happened to pop up in my feed was um, some data that's been released showing um, Looking at uh, uh, Pillar 2 data, this is uh, community outbreaks and uh, someone had plotted that um, using just been released data over the UK to show uh, hotspots in the north uh, the cities it's impacting on. That's, that's the sort of stuff where if you release that information on a, 
on a, on a freely available basis, people can come along and, and use that data to give new insights. We see that in, in energy. We see, you know, there's a huge demand for um, data around where renewable generation is, where uh, EVs are, where people are going to buy EVs. So you can do things like strengthen the network in the right place and not, strip, not waste money elsewhere. There's a whole loads of different use cases here um, that will need lots and lots of data to, to provide that insight. And do you think we'll be <clears throat> basically looking at that playing a bigger role? You know, you'd say that the the main pathway is, you know, we, we use less, absolutely. We get things like LEDs, we cut to uh, EVs, we try and change our boilers. But actually, the, the amount we can measure, the amount of information we get to know when do we need to turn power on, when what, what do we need this for, do you think that will actually be the key for us getting to that 2050 target? I think, I think if you think about what we do in smart metering, you know, that's putting infrastructure in place yeah. to allow people to have a smart home. Um, with a smart home, you can have a smart city. You can use, use the word smart too much here, but um, <laughs> you can, yeah, people are not going to sit there and wait for the price to drop and start switching off appliances. What you want is you want to be able to have that, that control within your home to make the best use of it. And, you know, that, that's what data and technology will allow you to do. Um, it's not just that though it's also looking at um, energy efficiency has got a massive role to play in this and retrofitting um, homes and, and um, businesses with measures to reduce down you know waste heat um, from properties so yeah there's a, there's a and you can use data to identify buildings that you might want to target with this as well so this is there's a whole range of different things you can do here I think the COVID um, crisis has shown us that how important it is to have data you know, the, 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 the countries that have been more successful seem to be the ones that have grasped the test and trace, which is used and then use that data to, to deal with outbreaks as they occur. And that's what we need to do now going out. To end with, are you positive uh, for the future? I know we're still in this and hopefully slowly getting out of it. And we may have further lockdowns and spikes in, in the months and years to come. But are you hopeful that actually we don't go back to 2008-9 after the global recession and just go for for coal, gas, oil, and we actually try and do things slightly better this time. Oh, it'd be a terrible loss, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I, I am hopeful. I think, I, I do, I think sentiment's there. I think, you know, I think you did a, a survey recently of, um, of members and, you know, out there in the general population, there is broad support for a green recovery. We can't leave it for businesses and individuals just to do their thing. It, will, it, won't, it won't make the cut. We need to get the right triggers in place, the right incentives, use of data and technology to make the, these things happen, but ultimately driven by government setting in place policies that, that drive this forward to net zero. You have been listening to a Future Net Zero podcast along with our partner, GemServe. This has been a promoted podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.